Welcome to What's Working in Washington. I'm Jonathan Aberman. Today, a new locally grown app brings power to the people. The app is all things politics all on your phone. One of the things that makes this region so much fun to cover and be part of is, is the collision of politics and entrepreneurial behavior. You know, it's really fun when you have an opportunity to meet with somebody who combines those two things, sort of like a Reese's peanut butter cup of entrepreneurship. Well, our next guest in the studio, Chris Tavleridis, and his company, Brittany, are really, really interesting. And I'm excited about having an opportunity to talk about that today. Chris, thanks a lot for joining us. Thanks for having me. Well, it's, I, I mean, it's not every day I... I learn about a business name, Prittany, and I'm like, okay, what is it? All right, Prittany, the name Prittany comes from the original Athenian Senate, which elected a rotating body of 10 presidents annually. So every part of the Athenian electorate got representation at the highest levels of government. What I find interesting is you go back to Athenian times and then you run through you know, the history of democracies, particularly thinking about, say, all the Italian republics, for example, you know, the phenomenon of having a, a, a rolling over ruling group of people that were elected by guilds or different subsets, that that really is very much a, a democratic principle that's run all the way through. How does it tie into today? It's a tr When you look at the Athenian model, it's really a true democracy. And part of the reason why we started Prittany, which is a social media network for politics that crowdfunds for for candidates and constituents alike is because there's three of us. There's a independent, there is a Republican, and there is a Democrat and th that are the founders of Brittany. And we were unbelievably frustrated with how Washington has been working, where you've basically got fiefdoms on both sides of the ledger that are essentially funding themselves for their, their, their missiles to annihilate each other. And part of that um, is a concentration of power with both parties. And what we felt was we needed to have more transparency and more dialogue and more grassroots involvement. And we felt that a tech play in order to open up some of the dialogue between Democrats and Republicans was really necessary. I'm inundated every day, and I bet a lot of our listeners are I mean, once you get a one mailing list, you're on a thousand, it seems, with campaigns. Everything's a crisis. If I don't get money from you by midnight tonight, I need your 1375. It's it's always an odd number, it seems. Uh, so there seems to be a lot of grassroots fundraising. Certainly, we're seeing that with the Democratic primaries, the way things are unfolding. With all the effort to do grassroots fundraising, how is this? How does this relate to that? I mean, I assume this is a, a, a reaction against. Uh, People writing twenty eight hundred dollar checks on their own, or lobby groups and dark money. How does it interrelate? Yeah, so we're so fundamentally we are a small donor platform, and part of our frustration with small donors being anonymous is if you are a small donor and let's say you can only afford forty dollars to give a candidate, you should not be excluded from the candidate knowing who you are and understanding what your concerns are because there's somebody who has more money than you that can actually donate. $2,800 to a campaign. So part of what we decided to do, and, 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 and the reason why you're getting inundated with emails is because each side has decided to uh, create their own super PACs. There's ActBlue on the left, 
and there's WinRed on the right. So when you give to ActBlue, it's essentially a file sharing system. So the Democrats can share uh, donor information with you. But the reality is, is that they don't have to disclose to the candidate donations under $50. So you give to a Democratic candidate or a Republican candidate, and it's under $50. It, they get to register it with the campaign as a donation from the Super PAC, which is ActBlue or WinRed. So we're a little frustrated with that. And we decided we needed to kind of unveil who the donors are, especially people below $50. And what Brittany enables those donors to do is to do virally, is to create a grassroots coalition by going into your contact list, by going out on mass email, by taking your your group that you formed on Brittany and promoting it on other social media platforms like Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and essentially getting a large bucket of smaller donors to contribute to whatever issues that you see fit and essentially weigh yourself against the larger donors who essentially get most of the candidates' time and energy. A lot of uh, conversation, certainly since Citizens United, has been around how our, our political system has become choked with money or to put it another way, political entrepreneurship is rewarded. I mean, it seems to, I'm often struck these days having seen a number of people that I know begin to run for public office, how much it's become like a startup. It has. And I know you have an entrepreneurial background, and we'll talk about that more in a moment. But is this basically sort of the the end state of, if we never get rid of Citizens United, which I think we may never, depending upon how things unfold, is this the end state for how you turn democracy back? I mean, in other words... Are you loving the playing field with money, or is this a transitory phase until so the, sometime the, the in the future? So the ultimate goal of the, the app is all things politics all on your phone. So what it'll essentially do, if, if you want to run for office, is you can form an exploratory committee and go out to your friends and family and have them pledge money to your ultimate goal, which might be you know 500000 or a million dollars, so you can determine whether you can actually run for Senate or run from Congress. You'll be able to do that all from your couch. Hmm. So what we're trying to do is open up uh, the playing field to more candidates that aren't institutionalized candidates that aren't just being blessed by the two parties. So we've seen in the last election that there were several fringe candidates that actually were very successful. But, you know, if you look at the documentaries that were done about them, you will see that they actually really had to run this thing as an entrepreneurial startup. What we're trying to do is cut the time for people and cut the intimidation for people to get into the political process. Before we move on, I want to talk a little bit about your your background because I was really interested in some in a lot of it. If I want to know more about this, is this something I find in the App Store or a website where so I we're, do? So we're in the App Store right now. Uh, we're in both App Stores, Google and Apple. Uh, we're online at Britney.com. Um, we just launched, we've got several thousand users and we haven't literally lifted a finger, which has been amazing. And we've got, um, reporters, average constituents. We've got Andrew Shu from 90210. We've got people that have just found the platform and organically are inviting their friends, which is what we want. And what we're finding is that people are actually forming groups around certain candidates and issues and trying to recruit their friends into the groups which is ultimately what the app is about. What I love about it is an entrepreneurial solution to a social problem 
which is, I think, what D.C. does better than just any place in, in the world or certainly in the country. With all the discussion here in the region around entrepreneurship, I've been thinking recently that a better way to think about us is intrapreneurs, you know, that we're in organizations and find an entrepreneurial opportunity. You know, like Steve Case, for example, started, I think, at Procter & Gamble. He was a consumer guy. Do you think that's um, a better way for us to think about ourselves regionally than an entrepreneurial hotbed? Brittany is actually an entrepreneurial concept because we believe that micro social networks are the wave of the future. So what we're trying to do is essentially take the LinkedIn model, which was a, a social media network for business, and we're trying to do the same thing for politics. We have other uh, incarnations of the app that we're developing right now. But we do believe that the, the era of the Facebooks and the Twitters and of the Instagrams, why obviously clearly massively powerful entities, we do think there's, a, there's too much of a saturation of not only just politics there, there are just too many things going on and people don't have enough time to read everybody's critique of a candidate or of the president or of Nancy Pelosi. So what we're trying to do is offboard some of that chatter and onboard it onto the Britney. So in that regard, I think that if you see that the entrepreneurship space, there's plenty of companies that are essentially being created to service small niches. And that's what we're trying to do here. Well, Chris Tavlaridis, it was great having you study today. I wish you all the best with Brittany and thanks for getting your hands dirty trying to help democracy. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And now, non-billable consult with legal expert Andrew Sherman. We hear the term the gig economy a lot. But what does it really mean? Years ago, our parents and our grandparents worked full-time for a given employer, and often for the same employer, over the course of their adult lives. Moonlighting or side jobs, that just wasn't that common and sometimes forbidden. But today's careers look very different. Many of us will have as many as five to seven different careers over our lifetime at 10 to 15 different employers and with dozens of companies that contract for our services at parallel times in our lives, hence the term gigs. These gig workers do not work for any particular company. They can be young or old. They can be post-retirement or millennials. They're basically independent contractors from a legal perspective offering up their talents to the highest bidder. Schedules are more flexible, venues are more flexible, and the payment can be significantly higher. The gig worker may turn out to be as much as 40%, that's 40% of the total U.S. workforce by 2030, and is one of the catalysts driving the growth of co-working centers like WeWork and other spaces. In fact, today's workplace and workspace designs are rapidly shifting to adapt to these demographics. But from a legal perspective, the gig nation raises a number of very interesting and tough questions. One, where will the health care and other benefits come from for this portion of our workforce if nearly half of us are not full-time employees? Second, who or what will own the intellectual property, the ideas, the relationships, the data, the channels created by gigs if they don't work for any particular company? Third, how do we build culture and leadership and governance and teamwork and even succession plans if we no longer have a pipeline of people working up and moving up the food chain? How will this impact organizational charts and traditional reporting structures? And there are many, many more to consider for a future segment or in this portion of the community. 
If you're listening as an employer or a manager, be sure to factor in the gig effect into your hiring, your retention, your development and growth plans. The workforce of the future will look very different from the workforces today. And that's before we even consider the impact of AI and robotics. That was your non-billable consult with legal expert, Andrew Sherman. Our executive producer is Tracy Madigan, and our web writer is B. Aldrich. Music provided by two local bands, the Sunbathers, and my own band, Two Car Living Room. A special shout-out to Marymount University School of Business and Technology. I'm the dean there now, and we are working hard to help our students master business and technology so it doesn't master them. Check us out at marymount.edu. And, of course, thanks to Active Navigation, Sayreforth Shaw, and the Greater Washington Board of Trade, provide the financial support to make this show possible. If you have a story idea, don't forget to tweet us at What's Working DC. I'm Jonathan Aberman. Thanks for joining us.